Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that gets deep into the psyche of those who have achieved the extraordinary, from sports people to business people to social change innovators, cutting to the chase to unlock the secrets of their success. Brought to you by Running Hot Coaching, the platform that helps you achieve all your health and fitness goals. Well, hi, everybody. It's Lisa Tamari here at Pushing the Limits, and welcome back to the show for those of you who do listen in. And if you're a first-time listener, thanks for dropping by. Um, today, I have a very special man on the show who I think is going to blow your socks off with inspiration. He's got on his website, he dreams big, he lives big, he does good, and he inspires people, and that really pretty much sums up this man to a T. He's raised over $800,000 for charities through his running uh, missions and his, his unbelievable feats of endurance that he's undertaking but he says he's an ordinary man and that's what makes him extraordinary in my eyes um, and I'm just so proud and glad to have this man on the show today we've got Mel Law jo- joining us all the way from where are you Wanaka is that right Lisa, yeah. Wanaka wow how's it looking down there Mel oh man it's hot today the <laughs> blowing yeah. and uh Coming in off the lake, but uh, yeah, the sun is shining. It's it's blistering, like twenty five degrees, which for the first of November is a bit daft, isn't it? It's crazy, hey, but don't moan about it. You know, it's been one of those awful winters up here. So crikey, it's a good, it's a good excuse to put off my run for another few hours, anyway. <laughs> yeah, wait till it goes a bit cooler in the evening. Well, um, Mel, you know, it's a real pleasure to have you on, on the show today. And I just wanted to really dive into a little bit into your history, your background, uh, and then really look at some of the amazing feats that you've accomplished, some of the highlights, some of the lowlights. And, and really look, um, I wanted to have a, a sort of an, um, an honest athlete to athlete discussion around uh, burnout, depression, um, all of those sort of good positive things um, that afflict many of us ultramarathon runners or things. Very real things, yeah. Yeah, all those very real things um, and have a discussion around that. But let's talk talk uh, uh, for starters. Where did you come from and what's your background? Why did, you know, did you grow up outdoors and uh, have a real sort of an adventurous childhood? Um, yeah, I grew up of an adventurous father who he was big time into hill walking in Scotland um, so as a kid you know we had all our holidays in Scotland and dad would drag us um, screaming up mountains complaining bitterly about not being able to sit down on the beach and watch the rain pour down <laughs> um, so he, he planted the seed early on no doubt about that but you know like a lot of people I resisted and that seed lay dormant for a very long time um, it kind of started coming out a little bit in my 20s and then late 20s I moved to New Zealand I went tramping in the Nelson Lakes and boom I was an outdoors man forevermore forevermore <laughs> um, so that, yeah that was, a, that was a big turning point um, then for many years it was all about recreational tramping and, and mountain biking um, I've always loved peak bagging I've loved, always loved getting to the top of stuff um, mid-30s I discovered endurance sport and um, sort of spent 10 years as a enthusiastic but not particularly talented multi-sporter uh, I did a couple of coast to coast and lots of the other big races uh, did the my zone at the New Zealand race at the turn wow. of the century <laughs> um, and then yeah just uh, eight nine years ago kind of um, it just morphed into this absolute love affair of long distance running um, and yes, it, it's so simple compared to multi-sport. Eh? Oh, to- totally. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how they do it when you got to train for uh, a number of different sport disciplines. I mean, apart from the expense and the equipment and all the rest yeah. of it, it's like, how do you get good at so many things? I really admire them. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and how do you how do you um, keep so many support crew happy? <laughs> Sounds like well. <laughs> Married, I think my, my career, so I wasn't keen to go there again. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. And in fact, yeah, I mean, doing these sort of massive uh, feats of endurance and, and being dedicated athletes can uh, affect your marriage quite, quite, uh, quite strongly, can't it? It sure can, yeah. yeah. And that's you know, that's one of the great learnings, isn't it? Is trying to keep the balance and. Uh, yeah, the focus is is on yourself and your goals and your ambitions, but um, not at any cost. Yeah, that's that's the thing that you've got to learn along the way, and. Um, <clears throat> 
you know, athletes have to a certain degree be selfish in their you know, driven approach because that's what it takes to do this sort of thing. But yeah, it's only in my, you know, recent years that I've realised the cost that I've paid and that others around me have paid and my family and so on for the ambitions that you set out to do. But let's have a look at some of the... Oh, my mummy, she's just wonderful. Well, she's the greatest role model I've got, isn't she? She's just absolutely beautiful. She's she's the toughest one of all. She makes me look like a wet rag, really. <laughs> We need a podcast with her, actually. Oh, I do, yeah, definitely. I've been, I've been, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> um, Mel, let's look back. You know, I've known you over, you know, I don't know how many years have we known each other now? Maybe seven or eight, nine years. Um, and yeah. and obviously, you know, seen all the crazy, amazing things that you've done and um, admired everything that you've undertaken and have understood very clearly what they mean, you know, to do. So let's look at some of your early big things like your first one was the seven great walks i believe the seven walks in and seven days yeah that's right that was um an idea that popped into my head one day late 2008 um and i did it in late 2009 and basically the idea was to cover off the seven what i call the mainland great walk so we didn't do rakiora on stewart island and i don't count the Ponganui river journey as a as a great walk i still don't understand how a kayak journey can be a great walk no <laughs> um so that left seven to do in seven in seven days which was plenty enough um about 370 kilometers of running a huge amount of travel wow and a pile of logistics and um yeah that was the first foray into this idea of uh, multi-day long distance running for charity um, and that one was done um, in honour of my brother who died of leukaemia when I was age nine. He was wow. 13. And, um, yeah, it was my first attempt at raising significant money for, for a cause, um, in that case, the Leukaemia and Blood Foundation. So your brother, tell us a little bit about that, you know, story. What was it like to have a, an older sibling pass away? You know, did that have a massive effect on you, obviously? Oh, I think it, it certainly did, and... Um, probably the older I get the more I realise how it's actually moulded the person I am today Um, and I think a lot of good good things have come out of it it's probably made me a more I don't know independent person and also because I was only left with two sisters I had no brother to play with (laughs) and I wasn't (laughs) going to play with my sisters Um, but it also made me um, I think a lot more yeah just a lot more determined to get the most out of life you hear this a lot from people who have um lost loved ones and i know it's a bit of a cliche but you know you, you feel in a way you're living your life for two yep um and certainly i discovered the power of um you know what I, you know the power of the combined adversity when when something goes wrong you can kind of wallow in the misery of it or you can use it to strength somewhere down down the track so certainly you know on the training on the hard training missions and on the hard day-to-day stuff during that seven and seven I frequently thought of my brother um, I actually carried a photo of him around, around my neck and when things got tough I, you know, I'd, I'd look at it and draw inspiration and strength from, from from that and it just I guess it just gave meaning to what I was doing it would have been a lot easier to give up if I didn't have that motivation that that um, that, that desperate desire to, to honor his memory and and, and yeah, it just makes it into much, a much bigger thing than just running for your own pride when, you, when you've got a, got a, a cause at stake as well. Oh, absolutely, and, and it's very, very personal. And you know, you know um, it's, people always talk about um, trying to find motivation and when things get tough, how do you keep yourself focused? Uh, if you can find those trigger points in your, in your own psyche, whatever that is... Um, for you, then I think you can pull out of things out of yourself that you you would never do normally for your own ego, like for your own. Yeah, yeah. And I've you know I've, I've gone off on missions where there was no no cause attached and sort of got halfway or three quarters of the way through and thought, you know, I'm not really enjoying this. What's, what's the point? Why am I doing it? And, <laughs> and I you know I've thrown in the towel a couple of times. But if I've been doing that with a cause related and uh, you know with a a cause behind it and known that um, you know I was sending out a message that I gave in um, particularly now that I'm concentrating on mental health as, a, as the <laughs> cause I support yeah um, 
it's, it doesn't look so good, does it? And, and it certainly provides with you with an awful lot more willpower to carry on when things get tough. Yeah, it does. It sure does. So after doing the seven great walks in seven days, that's, I mean, that's a horrific, uh, 370 of the toughest case, you know, like this isn't 370 on a road, which would be tough enough. Um, this is the tra- travel, the logistics, the promotion, the raising the money. Um, and I had a chat with you last week about the whole, the hardest part of these runs that we do is not the actual running. <laughs> it's the logistics and the planning, eh? <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, the, pla- the planning and, and the logistics, um, just bringing the whole thing together, particularly given you know, the way I've typically done it is to recruit an awful lot of people to run with me. Um, uh, you know, so people join a day at a time or, or a couple of days at a time. Wow. And uh, I involve them. Um, not only in the day-to-day running, but uh, I turn them into fundraisers as well. So it's kind of pyramid selling for charity, <laughs> work approach to, to fundraising. Yeah, but um, actually really hard to do that, eh, to bring in so many, because I know logistically that's really hard. It's something that I avoided, yeah. and, and say like the run through New Zealand, I avoided doing that because I just yeah. couldn't, couldn't so, cope okay. with the, yeah, the different personalities, the different struggles, the, you know, all of that sort of stuff that goes with having a lot of people... Yeah. I mean, every, every, every person you add to the mix adds a potential complication. It certainly adds work. So, um, yeah, when you get, as I did in, on, on the High Five, which I'm sure we'll talk about, um, over 300 people involved, um, plus support crew, oh. <laughs> plus sponsors, <laughs> and all the rest of it, then, yeah, it, uh, it gets pretty tricky to manage. I bet it does. You have to be a leader extraordinaire, a, a counsellor, um, and the athlete at the same time, you know, like... Um, one thing I found when I was running through New Zealand, because I did actually have lots of people, and I, at, at the start I invited everybody to come out and run with me, and then I found that in my absolute state of horrific exhaustion, when people were coming out and they were wanting to, you know, draw inspiration from you, and and they're fresh, and, and they're bouncing around you, and I just could not cope with it, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't perform as an athlete because I was in a deep, dark world of hurt and pain and I couldn't pull out the bubbly happy personality that I would needed to be to inspire these young athletes coming out or these people that want to be a part of something and I felt terrible uh, yeah, you, do, you, do, you do feel bad but you know at times like that you've really just got to you've got to crawl into your own hole and yeah and, and deal with it the way you would, the, the way that you've got to deal with it, and that generally doesn't involve being particularly chirpy. No, <laughs> <laughs> or thinking about other people's needs. No, you can be a, quite a, a nasty, nasty, horrible person in those times. Well, I know I can be. Um, and, and yeah, so I've always like uh, wondered how the hell you did that. I mean, what came after seven the seven great walks? What was your very next uh, adventure? Oh, the next one was another, uh, a year after that, um, I, I did another seven in seven, um, as, as I called it. Um, and this time I wanted to, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was a similar, um, similar setup in that it was seven long walks, uh, seven long runs, um, day after day, mm-hmm. uh, on new trails. Uh, they were all in the Southern Lakes area, so we took some of the logistics out, but we were going um, much more into the deep back country doing, doing tougher runs. Wow. Um, but the way I really wanted to step it up that time was to get more people involved and have a bigger fundraising target, because I felt I'd learned so much from the first seven and seven that I could apply. Um, and so that time we had, second time around, we had over 100 people involved and ended up raising... The first, the first seven and seven raised eighty five thousand. The second one raised about one hundred seventy five thousand. Holy hell! Um, again, for the Kingo Foundation. So it was a. The, the challenge for me there was not so much a big step up in terms of the physical challenge, um, although it was a bit of a step up. It was more about how do I manage an even bigger project for and, and raising more money. Now, were you working at this time? Like, were you because your background um, professionally? Give us a bit of a background. Like, how how did you come oh, to be I able to do this? About that. Hey? <laughs> well, just a two second. Like, did you have a logistics background? Did you have a marketing background? Did you? Uh, I have a. Well, I have, a, I have a, a, a marketing background of sorts. I actually worked in in research, marketing research for twenty five years, um, and you know, I, I put that on hold when I did the original seven and seven, thinking I'd go back to it. You know, six months, twelve months later, 
it was just that I was, I was close to burnt out from 25 years of doing something my soul wasn't really yeah. wasn't really into um, and so it was always my intention to go back to that and uh, the long, longer time went on I did a little bit of contract work but I just could not raise the motivation to, to go back into that and so um, yeah it became a case of well how do I actually try and scrape a living from my passion yeah um, have you worked it out yet? Because I'll be interested to see how you do. <laughs> well, you know how the you challenges. It's, uh, I'm trying to do it, the same um, thing. It ultimately, ultimately, sort of largely depend on speaking engagements. Yeah. Um, writing books. Well, you know how lucrative that is, Lisa. Yeah, yeah. Um, making <laughs> films. We we you know we we did okay with with the one film that we've made, but it's certainly not going to. Um, it's, it costs it's more than a put a yeah. lot of bread on the table. No. So yeah, um, I keep finding other ways of trying to get some revenue to um, keep things together. Yeah. Um, without selling my soul and, and going back to going back to something I really don't want to do. Amen to that one. And I think you know that that's that's for me. You're an inspiration in, in that fact too, because it, you know shows that there is a way, and it's yeah, it's not the easiest path. But you know, there's a lot of people listening out there and just that are in a some sort of a corporate setting or some sort of a, a role that they don't like, and they're going, "How can I get escape from this? And how can I yeah. make my own way in in the world?" And, and the, there is no easy answer, but there are answers. There is ways of doing it, and I'm very passionate. About about yeah, holding and keeping that independence, and I think it's ultimately it's about feel the fear and do it anyway. It's, yeah, it's it's never going to get any, any less scary the, the longer you leave it. Um, in many ways, it just gets harder the, the later in life you try and do it. Um, look, I don't want to make any bones about it. I've done 25 years of working in a good job. We had a certain degree of financial um, stability when I did it, so yeah. I didn't I didn't just like. Go for nothing. Throw portions to the wind and, and go out with, without a cent to my name to try and um, to try and make a new life. Like me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I well, talk of inspiration. Yeah, I mean, blimey, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I went out nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Bones in my ass, living in mum and dad's house for many years. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, um, we're, we're in a position where in the last ten years I've, I've probably earned as much as I've spent on. On, um, on 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 the pursuit of my passion. Yeah. So you know, saving the savings are no bigger than they were. They're probably just about managed to keep them where they were ten years ago. Well, that's great. Um, and um, but the, the the reward that I've had out of the work I've done in the last ten years and the the times I've I've had and the people I've met just so much like one year of that was worth 25 years of market research thank well, you in terms of the reward and the satisfaction and well there you um, that, that yeah, really so, that, no regrets yeah that really says it all really doesn't it you know like you've lived the, the you know 10 lifetimes in that 10 years compared to the 25 years spent doing something that you weren't that passionate about you know I think that alone is is, is the equivalent of having millions in the bank you know or more for sure for sure so after the, the, the those two missions, what what came next was it sort of did it just get bigger and brighter and, <laughs> and scarier? Did you go through a phase like me where you just thought you were like unstoppable and unbeatable, and then you know reality hit hit home? Or? Well, yeah, at this, at this point, physically, I was feeling pretty pretty unbreakable. I was you know I'd been doing long distance training and running for several years, and you know I did feel I had an amazing ability to recover from one day to the next. Um, and I was I was feeling physically pretty pretty bloody, pretty bloody bulletproof. Yeah. Um, but it, but it was at that stage also that I was having to weigh up the decision on do I go back to a proper career or do I forge on um, trying to make a way in the world um, following my passion. And you know that was a really tough year or so um, trying to figure out the rights and wrongs of that and the do's and don'ts. And you know I went through quite a lot of depression at that at that point in time. So. When it uh, when it came time for the next challenge, I actually I actually saw um, a real opportunity to do something in the area of mental health because I've mm-hmm. been going through some some issues myself, and I, I've become so enthusiastic about this idea of um, time in the outdoors, being active, 
especially getting away from cars and roads and out into nature and the therapeutic effects that that can that can have for your mental well-being um not and not just as a, a curative but as a preventative to keep you on the on, on the straight straight and narrow so um next big adventure was always going to be um directed in the area of mental health and raising money for the mental health foundation um so that one uh which was, was a couple of years um after that second and seven um was uh an attempt on the fastest known time around the southwest coast path in the uk wow um a little over a thousand kilometers long and uh, at the time the record was 21 days and uh, i hatched a plan with uh, my good mate now good mate tom um to um try and do it in 14 which <laughs> proved proved to be a little bit ridiculous yeah yeah uh, but i can remember i can remember running along with tom a, a couple of days in saying dude what are we doing like you know 21 days is the record why don't we just go for 20 yeah, exactly. and, you know we could, we could have had quite a cruisy time of it and like what's this 14 days 70k a day nonsense yeah 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 Seventy <laughs> k is just not gonna be possible I know. No, I planned 14 days because that's all the time I can get off work. <laughs> so, so that's why we're on this crazy schedule. Needless to say, it all kind of went to custard a bit. Uh, poor yeah. old Tom got horribly injured and had to pull out after 10 days. I ended up with hideous shin splints and, and could only walk. But I did manage to get through and I did, I did it in 17 days. Oh, um, yeah, it's awesome. Got, record which has now been like obliterated the record is now i think sub 11 hours sub 11 days oh it's crazy which is insane but who was who was that some killian journey or some some uh, crazy dude or no it's, it's a guy who came top 10 at utmb um this year or, or just outside the top 10 i think 11 for 12 somewhere yeah good on him so very strong um <laughs> homie runner um so you know it I, I, I told you that just to get into perspective for anyone listening in case they've got this form, this ridiculous idea that I'm any kind of elite athlete. I'm not. This is why, as you said in the intro, I call myself an ordinary person because yeah, yeah, I have no yeah. given athletic ability or talent. Um, it's you know, what, what success I've had is, is largely down to just she, mental fortitude and ability to um, be stubborn. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that, but that's what makes it great for me. Like, I look at some of these super superheroes, you know, like the Scott Jerricks and the Killian Jornays of this world, and think, well, yeah, good on them, but, you know, I can't relate to them. They're on another planet uh, yeah. genetically. Yeah, they're going to be able to do that. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's fantastic that they're so, I mean, they're disciplined and crazy, amazing individuals as well, on top of being genetically gifted but uh try being very bloody below average and <laughs> still doing this stuff eh? <laughs> it's harder <laughs> yeah it, it is harder but i think um you know i think if i've been a, an elite athlete trying to recruit people to come and run with me on some of the stuff i've done i would have probably had a, a much harder time yeah so i think people would have been intimidated and oh god what if i don't keep up yep um, whereas with me, they had none of those fears. Well, I don't know, mate. I went for a run with you in the bush and ended up getting lost because I couldn't keep up with oh, you guys. That's true. I do remember trying to, <laughs> trying to, trying to find Lisa yeah. in the Waitakere bush. Oh, missing. yeah. <laughs> and a big shitty because I couldn't find you guys and you were too fast for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, you know, nice. lack of athletic prowess is, uh, yeah, oh, still got a whole lot more than me. That's <laughs> <laughs> <It's> funny. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so. Okay, so so walk us through after what was the aftermath of that one? Like well, your body must have been started to, you know, starting to fall apart at, at certain times. Well, yeah, in some way, interesting learning from that one because I was so broken with these um, shin splints at the end of it that I basically was forced to take six weeks off. I couldn't run for six weeks, um, and once I did start running again after six weeks, my recovery was pretty good. So. Um, yeah, that, that long break is something that normally we would really struggle with as, as compulsive yeah. <laughs> endurance athletes. <laughs> um, but when not given the choice, you see the benefit of having a proper recovery. Yeah. Uh, you know, if only I'd learned that lesson, I would have saved myself a lot of pain down the line. <laughs> yeah. Recovery is a, is a huge thing, and we'll get on to that in a little bit about um, avoiding adrenal burnout and, and hormone you know problems and depression and all the all the other good things that come with what we do 
Um, but let's move on first to the to the yeah you know, the next piece of the puzzle. What other crazy adventures did you have? Um, there's been well, a lot. Probably time to talk about the big one. The, the big <laughs> the one. Biggest thing. Well, hang on. There was a wasn't there an ever like the equivalent of Everest running up and down some. Oh, yeah. yeah, I had a couple of I had a couple of attempts. I did one actually just before the Southwest Coast Path. Um, it was kind of a publicity uh, generating thing, a bit of a fundraiser. Um, I had this idea about wanting to um, run the height of Everest in in twenty four hours, <laughs> um, and I checked. <laughs> I chose North Head in Auckland, which is only about, it gives you about 60 metres of climb from sea level to the top oh of the hill. Oh, my gosh. It required going up and down 148 times. <laughs> and, uh, unfortunately, I got very sick in the night just near the gastro issues. Yeah, and, yeah, as um, you do. It took me slightly over 24 hours um, to, to do that 148 climbs. <laughs> um, I've had another couple of cracks at, at similar things, and I'm still not quite done the 24 hours for, for an Everest, the 8,848 metres of it. Um, and I'm really trying to resist the idea of having another crack, so I, I think I'm going nah. to get off that nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> move on, mate, move on. <laughs> it hasn't completely gone away. I, I, I go up hills and I assess them for their suitability because you need a, you need a hill that's short and sharp but not too sharp um, so that you can get get the required altitude without having to do too much distance as well yeah um so i know that the idea hasn't completely gone away because every time i go out i'm assessing hills for the <laughs> suitability for one of these missions and then and then give myself a damn good thrashing when i get home telling myself not to be so stupid i, I don't need to do one of those no you don't <laughs> Who knows, might happen one day <laughs> some things are just better you know i had um a thing up in the Himalayas a couple of years ago and uh, it was a complete and utter disaster and a part of you wants to go back and have another crack at the world record um, and a part of you is going, no, don't be stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, still, yeah. So, so, okay, now let's get on to the big one. This has been your most epic, amazing, incredible feat, I think. Um, incomprehensible is, is a word that really comes to mind for this one. This was the high five O. Tell us all about why did this come about, who you were doing it for, uh, what it involved, and, and how it all how it all went down. Okay. Um, I'm really not quite sure where the idea came from in the first place, but the basic idea was to do um, 50 peaks around New Zealand in 50 days. Um, and then the really stupid part of it came when I decided to um, sort of extend that idea out and try and build in 50 marathons or... Um, to average 50, you know, the equivalent of 50 marathons over over the 50 days. Um, had I had I just gone for the 50 peaks, it might have been a more <laughs> a more sensible uh, thing to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I think I think basically it came out of out of my out of my desire to just create something that was so um, such a huge stretch for me. Um, you know, I guess I felt I'd, I'd stretched myself a few times, but this one was this one was really, really going into the land of fear. Um, and um, yeah, I just kind of figured, well, it's, it may not be possible, but let's give it a go. And yeah, one of my favourite one of my favourite um, one of my favourite thoughts really is um, yeah, if, if you know you can do it, it's not a challenge. Yeah. Um, so I certainly knew I certainly did not know whether I could do this thing or not um, I also once heard someone speaking who said if it's not being proved impossible then it must be possible <laughs> um, and that kind of rang around my head and thought well no one's proved it's impossible so <laughs> maybe it is possible why don't we go and find out <laughs> yeah so that was um, early 2015 it was a huge project to pull together 18 months work um, by myself and my wife Sally um, over 300 people involved the logistics um, were mind boggling the, the planning was ridiculous the fundraising the publicity everything was just sponsorship was, was, was um, just on another level um, but we, you know, we, we, we set off with this massive goal of trying to raise a quarter of a million dollars for the, wow. for the Mental Health Foundation. We kind of figured you know, big project, big goals. 
Yep. Um, and the wonderful outcome was that we raised well over half a million dollars for the course, which was just That's insane. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I proved that it wasn't possible, at least not for me. (laughs) I had a lot of issues to deal with. Um, Sickness, injury, the death of a good friend halfway through. Um, So, you know, things don't go to plan. No. Um, And I was forced to be constantly making plan Bs and revising plans. Yeah. Um, I dropped a couple of the bigger peaks and, did, and substituted in the smaller peaks. Um, I ended up having to drop quite a lot of distance off some of the days. So I, I, I ended up doing about, uh, the equivalent of about 40 marathons and I did climb 50 peaks. Most of them were, were the ones I originally planned to do. Yep. Um, and so, you know, the big question for me at the end of it was, well, was that success or not? Oh, so yeah. Can I, can I, can I Bloody hell yes. <laughs> Not. Yeah, no, hell yes. <laughs> well, yeah, a resounding yes. Yeah, I, I'm actually totally at peace with the idea. Yeah, uh, but I didn't achieve for myself all the physical goals that, that I that I set. Um, but that's completely um, over overrided by the fact that we raised so much more money than than um, we we expected to. Um, but also, you know, there's this, this thing about. Um, if you if you just if you set the bar just a little bit beyond where you think is comfortable, yep. and you achieve it, then you then you've achieved that. Let's say that height is five feet. Yep. You've, you've you've jumped five feet. You've achieved your goal. Great. You feel good about that. That's awesome. But if you raise the bar to like ten feet and go, how high? How close to that bar can I get? Yeah. You end up maybe being seven or eight. Yep. Feet. Yep. So you've actually achieved an awful lot more. By setting the bar ridiculously high and falling short. Oh, I totally. By setting the bar lower and achieving everything. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think, um, you know, I know as an athlete you have these, I mean, the same with me when I ran through New Zealand, once again, harping back to my stories, but I, I, I couldn't do it in the 33 days that I'd set out to do. So is it a failure that it took me another eight, nine days to do it? Uh, or is oh. it... No, no, and 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 I'm quite like like you. I'm quite at peace with. Oh, I had to take Plan B and and work within my human limitations. But I know that I left nothing on the on the yeah. dance floor. You know. Um, um, yeah, yeah. And, so long as you know you gave it everything and you couldn't have done more, and yeah. you didn't, you didn't. Um, Wimp out. Yeah, you didn't shout <laughs> stuff just because you didn't feel like it on that day. No. Then cool. Then that's cool. And I think the the great thing about a leader like you, and I put you amongst really a, a great leaders because you are able to motivate and inspire thousands to their feet. You can also raise money. Like I've never cracked the code on raising, you know, like I was disappointed with what I raised on my various different charity things. Uh, in fact, I did one last year where we just ran across the, the North Island, three of us. So it wasn't, you know, well, it was physically tough enough for me in my state of affairs, but it wasn't a big thing. And yet we raised almost as much as I did when I ran through New Zealand. So sometimes it's disproportionate because you don't know how to mark or you're learning or, uh, you know. But you are, for me, a phenomenal leader of people. Uh, one of those leaders who leads from the front and people follow you into battle, really. Um, well, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have ever really thought of myself in those, in those terms. But, um, you know, it's certainly, you know, prior to that very first seven in seven, like, I didn't go into it for any other reason than I wanted a big personal challenge and wanted to raise some money. And, but when, when, it, when it transpired at the end of it all that what I'd done was somehow inspiring other people, I was like, okay, well, I'm kind of, a little uncomfortable with that. Don't <laughs> never thought of myself as an inspirational person, but hey, it's kind of neat if other people are taking notice and Hell yeah. getting some inspiration to go and do stuff and test their own boundaries. That, that's good. I like that. So it's, it's it's become a much bigger motivation for me. And it, you know, I hope it never sounds egotistical or or or, or big headed to say I'm an inspirational person, but I I like the tag because it means that. I'm doing some stuff for other people and helping them achieve more out of life. And um, that's cool. That's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm, 
I like I like that. <laughs> I, I think you know, there's nothing. I mean, I, I I too hope to be an inspiration, and it's part of my ethos and the legacy and all that you know, good stuff that we talk about making an impact in our world. You know, we all we are is runners. You know, that's all we do. Put one foot in front of the other. But however, you can use the tools and the skills and the leadership stuff that you learn to guide other people to do their own missions and to show what's really important for me like on this podcast too is to show the real people um you know and that's why i love having people like you on who are you know everyone you know looks up to as thinks is incredible as tough as nails and yet as vulnerable as open as is approachable as humility all of those good traits as well um and i think that is the embodiment of really success um for me uh, is someone that you know leads people in, into battle and l- motivates other people to do crazy things for themselves as well as achieving their own egotistical sporting goals oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't really know what to say there does he <laughs> <laughs> He scratched my back. I'll scratch yours, Lisa. Well, you know, you've got to, you know, you, oh, uh, uh, above all, I, I understand a little bit of what it takes to do what you've done, yeah. and not to that degree because those projects are bigger than I've tackled. Um, oh, but to have that many people just in your immediate vicinity and working with you, and and um, so that high five, oh, it it. Prevent, you know, it presented you with an awful lot of challenges physically. So, what were some of the challenges? What happened to your body? You know, I, I know you had trouble sort of even earlier on in the piece. What sort of uh, happened? Yeah, I mean, I was only like four days into it when I developed a horrible chest infection, um, which, which slowed me right down to a crawl for several days. Mm. Um, well, I took anti uh, antibiotics and um, I was on a Ventolin inhaler to get up the hills. Oh, yeah, yep. Uh, you know all that. <laughs> um, no sooner is that clear than um, I developed a, a trapped uh, nerve in my leg. Yep. And that was absolutely excruciating and went on for the best part of two weeks. Oh. Um, so for the best part of two weeks, I was pretty much unable to run at all, um, which just meant that everything slowed to a walk. Uh, the days got longer and longer, and that's when I started having to actually trim a little bit of distance. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was getting a lot of treatment as, you know, from whoever would offer me some treatment because we didn't have full-time medical people or physios or anything on, on board. Yeah. So we'd just rock up to our town and say, hey, can you have a look at this broken man? He's doing this <laughs> and he needs to get back out there. <laughs> um, Fortunately, uh, deep needling, uh, I think uh, some deep needling treatment that we got here in Wanaka sorted that one out. Eventually, um, but also um, sprinkled in amongst that lot um, in the first half of this mission was uh, losing a very good friend um, just two weeks in uh, in a helicopter crash. Oh. And he was one of the guys that um, was massively into the project. He was going to be running with me a couple of days after after he died, but obviously, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was that was a hell of a lot to deal with, and all that happened, you know, all all those things went wrong in the first two to three weeks of of, of the project. After that, um, things got considerably better, and I had a you know two or three week purple patch where I was just loving it and feeling strong, and um, and then just in the last week or so, I guess you know the remorseless um, get up at every morning at five o'clock yeah. and run for twelve hours and drive a couple of more hours and then get to bed and get up and do the same that just eventually just wore me down and I was absolutely toast it's, it's funny but the the um, many of the people that I've studied that have done big missions like this and, and um, I know in my case as well um, you know trying to do the 70 plus k's a day it, it's the first two weeks that completely destroys you and for some reason I know we we both you know adjusted our goals slightly and and, and lowered the kilometer distance and stuff but for some reason after that I was not sweet but I was sexually stronger and stronger towards the end than I was in those first two weeks. So, um, and I've read that phenomenon before. Yeah, I think you know so much. <laughs> it's strange, isn't it? You, there's, a, there's, there's, yeah. There is also 
at the far end of the far end of the spectrum there is the overtired but somewhere in the middle you know the, the you've yeah. got a warm-up which can take a week or two yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but they're generally when things, when the body rebels because you probably had a long taper and then suddenly you're back into doing the distance. Um, but you're actually building strength the whole time you're doing that. And it's not only in, only once the cumulative tiredness curve catches up with this, the increase in strength curve that, um, that eventually, that the, the, the demise starts. So, yeah, it's, it's inter- interesting one, eh? Like I've also yeah. found that in in many of the multi day stage races, for example, too. That day one was the worst. Yeah, uh, yeah. You just by day seven, you got finish line fever, and you're rocking. Yeah, you're actually <laughs> fine by then. You know, the long the long day kicks your ass and stuff. But that first day can be the make or break. I've seen people, you know, like fall to pieces on the first day, and if they'd made it through, they would have been okay. Uh, it, it, it seems to be a weird thing that the body actually goes down, 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 like to the point of nearly broken. And if you keep going, then it actually starts to climb again before, like you say, it peaks out and then you fall to cut, tends to custard. I think, I think learning there for anyone listening is is quite simply that, um, you know, you always expect to have highs and lows. We probably don't expect to have the lows right at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but... You know, sometimes that happens. Beginning of a beginning of a uh, a marathon race, it, it could be the first five k where everything feels like it's turning to custard. You just have to keep on believing and and, and, and knowing that it, it is going to come right. That's uh, a good piece of advice. So, so don't yeah, don't don't expect that your lows are necessarily going to come in the middle or at the end. Yeah, there's no right there's no right or wrong place for the low to, to hit you. So. Um, always, be, always be on the lookout for them, and always know that as long as you remain mentally tough, you can get through the other side of it. That's really some uh, fantastic advice. Really, really good. Um, so, if we go to the high five o now, look at it from a. You made this amazing film. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Oh, fifty the movie. Yeah, um, it, that was that was that was um, another um, huge component of the work involved in setting this thing up, and. Um, huge component of the year that, that followed because um, I had no previous experience of making a, making a movie um, and the filmmakers involved um, had done nothing more than a three minute video themselves holy hell <laughs> so, really here we were making a, a 90 minute full, <laughs> full documentary for the world stage and uh, yeah, it was quite a daunting prospect but um, <laughs> we got there in the end um, and Thankfully, not it, cheap. It, not cheap to not do. Not cheap. Shit. We had, we had, we did have some good sponsorship, and we did get a little bit of help from the New Zealand Film Commission later in the day to get it across the line. Um, but yeah, not not cheap thing to do. So um, added to the added to the stress of things by that that degree of financial commitment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, the, we we got the film made. Um, we took it on tour all around New Zealand and used that as a way of generating some more funds um, for the course. Um, and um, we got it on, got it into the Banff Mountain Film Festival over in Canada. Um, so this time last year, in fact, exactly this time last year, I was in Banff introducing the movie. Wow! Film Festival, which was pretty huge. It's a bucket list thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, since made it onto the Banff World Tour. It's been going around the world for the last, or a reduced version of it, 25-minute version of it, has been going around the world for the last, um, best part of the last year. Wow. And- so massive, massively ex- rewarding experience. Um, it's taken me a, a lot of time to even contemplate making another movie because yeah. I kind of thought, well, that's the one done, that's it. <laughs> I've only got the one in me, but... Um, yeah, so 50 the movie, um, yeah, great, yeah, great thing to have done. And tourism... Well, this is yeah, like um, same for me and all the, the documentaries and things and stuff that I've done over the years. They've all cost a huge amount. And had no idea what you're doing. Completely blind. Um, I never got into Banff, by the way, but I did try a couple of times. But um, <laughs> once again, you've outclassed me there, man. <laughs> but um, the whole journey 
the, the fantastic thing is because the, the time actually goes, you, you're doing the actual event and then it's over. And all that ever lives is the, the movie or the doco. Um, and that's why I think it's so important to have that doc, you know, even if it's bloody iPhone and you're getting stuff when you're on the, you know, it's just such a shame to do something that massive and not have any sort of a record but a few photos, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, it's... Um I'm, gl- I'm glad we did that in hindsight. There were times when I, <laughs> particularly when people are sticking cameras in your faces and you're dog tired and you don't want to talk, um, it's like, why the hell are we making this movie? Um, that but makes the best. That that's so, the best viewing. Yeah, yeah, more than anything else, that's probably also a um, uh, a, a, a piece of work um, that. Um, can be used to inspire other people as well without me having to stand up and talk to them. Um, I know it's been through, it's it's in a lot of schools, a lot of libraries, school libraries have have got hold of it and show it to their classes, which is wonderful. Um, How did you, um, can I ask how you managed to do a tour around the country with it? Just, you know, like I'm just interested from a personal perspective, how did you finance such a tour? Um, that's where we had um, the good fortune to have some help from the main uh, sponsor of the High Five O, which was the insurance, life insurance company Partners Life. Um, they covered the costs of um, getting the thing on tour. So most cinemas donated the cinema or did it at a good rate. Um, but I wanted to be at each screening so I could talk to people, give them an introduction, answer their questions afterwards. So. There's quite a lot of travel costs for me to get around the country. Exactly, doing. yeah. And my wife uh, stumped up, stumped up the bill for that, which was very good of them. And the uh, promo side of it, like the promotional, how did you promote it? You know, uh, just good on Facebook. Good old Facebook. Good Facebook. You know, just <laughs> set up, set up the events and and promote the hell out of them. And Brilliant. Is the good one shameless, shameless self publicity, Lisa? Oh yeah, we're good at it. <laughs> We have to be. No room to be shy in this game. <laughs> definitely not. No, definitely not. Well, you really are to be congratulated on that fantastic movie. And, of course, the footage was outstanding. Um, and Tourism New Zealand, I believe, have picked up uh, a bit of it for... Well, Tourism New Zealand helped, helped fund it in the, in, the, in the first place. They put right. a bit of money into, into the pot as well. Um, so, yeah, they should be very happy with the, with the return on their investment, I think, given the... It, it, it is a bit of a... You know, it is a bit of a tourism video, really. Hell you, yeah. you watch that and see some of the scenery and some of the amazing, particularly the um, the aerial stuff that we've got shooting with the drone. Yeah. Um, on places like the Root Burn and going through the, uh, going, you know, just going through some of those um, amazing mountain landscapes. Um, and it's pretty hard not to watch that movie. Um, I would imagine, as a foreigner, and not go, oh, my God, I want to go to New Zealand. Not not even necessarily to run, but I just want to go and see those places. Exactly, exactly. It is a a fantastic thing. Um, Lastly, you know, I wanted to um, touch on uh, mental health issues and depression and exhaustion and burnout, all these fantastic things that are unsexy to talk about as an endurance athlete, as as an icon, tough man, you know, what sort of effect has it had on your health to do all these massive things? I know I've taken a bit of a hit uh, physically, and we were gas bagging the other day about being broken ass runners. Um, what sort of effect has it had on you physically and, and mentally, uh, you know, as you're getting a little bit, dare, dare I say, a little bit older? <laughs> we're all going to Lisa. Yeah, we sure are. <laughs> Excuse me. As soon as we start talking about my health, I start coughing. Start coughing. <laughs> well, for a long for a long time, it seemed to be only really having um, uh, positive effects uh, on my health. I, you know, I was getting fitter and stronger and mentally tougher. Um, so I thought I was kind of unbreakable and very resilient. Um, but I underestimated just how much the high five O did take out of me. And um, I tried to come back too hard too soon. Um, I came back sort of, it, it, it's that terrible sinking feeling afterwards when the big project is done. It's like, totally. what's the next goal? I've got to have and then I got goal. And probably the most stupid thing I did was straight afterwards, I decided, well, I've got to have some, some focus to get me through the year now. Um, besides making the movie, you know, some physical focus to get me through the year. And I decided I was going to try and do a PB at Kepler in December. 
<laughs> PBs after such a mission don't work, mate. I could have told you that. Yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, if it's 50 days on the go like that, then you probably need at least 100 days to, to get close to properly recovering. Um, and more. And I was, you know, 20, 30 days out and, and trying to do speed work and hill work, and it's, it was just stupid. It's stupid. Um, in hindsight. And I hadn't actually, I hadn't properly appreciated um, just why I was having so much difficulty getting going again. I think a lot of people mentioned fatigue, and I went, nah, 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 I don't get fatigue. I'm, I'm, I'm unbreakable. I, I just bounce back. I'm good. <laughs> um, but I was, unknown to me, battling chronic fatigue, and it took me a year to actually get a diagnosis that I would accept and start to make some, some lifestyle changes. And um, yeah, that was really, really hard mentally um, because I guess so much of my self-esteem and sense of self-worth is wrapped up in being unbreakable an unbreakable runner that that bounces back and has resilience and can recover quickly and when you can't do that stuff and when you realize just how fragile you are physically it's very very hard for that not to translate into into um feelings of mental distress as well and I, i certainly had some had some real battles there because it's like, well, what am I going to be now? I'm not unbreakable now. The, the, the runner who does big stuff. Um, it's taken me an awful long time to sort of come to terms with the fact that I probably have done the biggest and most ballsy things I'm ever going to do. Um, but, hey, I've still got enough physical well-being to get out into the mountains, to go and climb a hill. I maybe can't do 20 of them when I used to be able to, maybe I could do 10. Uh, maybe I can take, do it in, half the t- uh, in twice the time that I used to, but hey, I can still do it. And I'm just retraining my brain to be happy with that. Yeah, um, I'm hearing you. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm hearing you very, very loud and clear because it's the same journey that I'm on. And I think, you know, uh, what's helping me is uh, helping others and inspiring others. And then in the coaching sense, trying to stop others from breaking themselves um, I'm all you know we're all four big huge amazing challenges but uh, um, recovering and finding balance and mental health as well is at the end of the day very important and I think um, and you will know this too Mel the biggest journey that I've been on the last couple of years is with my mum and seeing someone who cannot even move their wiggle their toes um come back to a state where she can walk and she can do everything again it puts everything in perspective and you realise how tough the people with disabilities are which has really got me sort of going you know like to yeah it's real cool to be this super cool unbreakable runner which we were (laughs) Um, not so much are um but to actually see the daily fights of people with disabilities and their comeback stories um, and knowing that, well, if they can come back, then, you know, I reckon perhaps I can come back too if I want to, you know, if you want to do that sort of thing again. Or is there something else to life? You know, this isn't necessarily... Um, it's, it's a change in direction. It's a change in the stage and the phase. And it's not giving in to age. I think that's what our fear is underlying this, is that am I... Am I giving into the frailties of age? And, you know, I rebel against that. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I totally, totally hear you. I think um, I said to a few people that the high five I sort of added five years or, or mm-hmm. aged me five years as, as a person. And I think it probably aged me 10 years as a runner. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I'll, I'll ever be able to run quite the same as I could pre-high five out, which is not to say I was any great shakes as a runner, but I was I was a little bit faster and a little bit stronger than I am now, and I'm probably, you know, I'm 58 shortly, and that, you know, to, to be expecting the, to still be on the improvement curve is just ridiculous. Um, we keep so trying, though. <laughs> you just have to accept that past a certain age, things do start falling apart a little, and <laughs> The secret to, to happiness is, is to embrace that, accept it, and just say, okay, so it's not going to be a PB every time I go out, but I'm still getting out there, and that's more than most people my age are doing, and it's certainly a lot more than people who are less fortunate than me with a disability or whatever it is can do. So hallelujah, rejoice, yeah. um, count your chickens, and... Yep, get over it. it. 
get over it. And I, I would highly recommend, actually, a friend of mine who's been on this podcast earlier too, Gary Moller. Um, he's he's very good at picking up mangy old racehorses and fixing them up. <laughs> he's a function. Yeah, he's fantastic. I uh, highly recommend him. And um, look, he's turned himself around from being a broken ass fifty year old to being a top world class athlete again in his age group yeah. at sixty five. So you know, it can it can be done. Um, but I think, yeah, there's a word of warning out there or a, a, a word of uh, just, yeah, it, it, we're human. We're human, we're, yeah. and, and I think it's very powerful that we share these uh, very important stories, uh, both sides of the coin, the glamorous side and the not-so-glamorous side. So thank you very much, Mel, for sharing your story today. You're uh, an inspiring individual, and, and you will continue to be an incredible leader and an incredible inspiring person, uh, whether that's running faster or slower or higher or not. That's regard, you know, I think that's beside the point right now. The, the legacy yeah. that you have, the legacy that you've built, the person and the reputation that you have is what will help you move forward, I think. Thank you, Lisa. And, you know, um, when all's said and done, if I, if I wake up tomorrow and I can't run ever again, um, got some great memories. So. Bloody oath, yeah. Now, uh, be- before we go, Mel... A few memories in the bank while, while, while you're capable. While you're capable. Before we go, just uh, where can people find you, connect with you? You've got um, a fantastic project called Wild Things. Let's talk briefly about that so where people can be involved. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, Wild Things is a, a, a um, obviously an online-based club that uh, Sally, my wife, and I set up last year um, with the goal of providing wannabe trail runners or experienced trail runners, anyone, anyone with any remote interest in trail running, with ideas, information, and inspiration about Kiwi trail running. So, the the um, the core of it. Uh, at the moment is very much around building a, a really kick-ass trail directory, telling people where to go running and uh, trails in New Zealand, everything you could possibly want to know about trails. Um, and we're gradually building that. There's a huge community of interest um, around that. We've got a Facebook group, Wild Things NZ Trail Running Club, which has got well over 7,000 people involved. Amazing. And um, that is a brilliant forum for talking about anything yeah, and some of it, some of it's more on some of it's more on subject than others. Yeah. But anything trail running get discussed on there. Um, so uh, that's worth checking so, out. Um, if anyone wants to get hold of me, um, they can do so through through that website. It's wildthings.club, um, and uh, you know, just do the contact us thing so they can get me get me through there. Um, yeah, um, that's, that's part of. I guess that's part of. Well, you're talking about legacy. That's yeah. Um, part of what we're now. I, I guess I feel like I am a little bit in that legacy phase where I want to <laughs> make sure that I do leave something behind that's um, a sum of my experience. Yeah. Um, and it's a great so, way to do it. Yeah. This, yeah. We, we, we we set wild things up as a as a. Supposedly commercial venture, another one. It's, it's about as you know, it's about as commercially sensible as writing a book and making a film. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so we do offer people a, a, a VIP membership subscription on that, and we do our very best. And that we do do a great job. I think of giving them lots and lots of rewards for their for, for their money. But that money is helping us um, continually develop the website. We want to build it and build it and build it to a point where it just becomes a absolutely invaluable resource for, for Kiwi trail runners um, first place you'd ever go to check out stuff about trail running in New Zealand so you know it's very early days we're on our way um, any support we get from people in that regard is much appreciated um, and uh, we'll just keep on keeping on yeah fantastic Mel I think you're an absolute legend of the of the place they should you make you Sir Mel I think we'll, we'll put you up for a night or day. We've done a lot more for for things than a lot of other ones have. So, uh, thanks very much for your time today, Mel. You're a legend, and uh, yeah, WildThings.club. Go and check that out, guys. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been great chatting with you, and um, you yeah, don't uh, don't underestimate what a legend you are, too, mate. Awesome. <laughs>
Wanted to let you guys know about my new Mindset Academy. It's called The Path of an Athlete and it's all about how to develop mental toughness, resilience, leadership skills, how to overcome those limiting beliefs, those self-doubts that we all have and how you can achieve your dreams and fulfill your potential. So head on over to lisatamati.co.nz forward slash e-course to find out all about it and get involved. You've been listening to Pushing the Limits, brought to you by Running Hot Coaching, your online health and fitness coaching platform. For more information, visit us at www.runninghotcoaching.com.